ministry of Nelson Ihiago. Be stirred as you listen. Then he is not omnipotent. Right? Is he, is he able but not willing? Then he is malevolent or evil. Is he both able and willing? Then where does evil come from? Is he neither able nor willing? Then why do we call him God? Should I say it again? So it's called the Epicurean trilemma, right? Is God willing to prevent evil but he's not able to prevent evil? Then he's not omnipotent. Is God able but not willing? Then he's evil. Is God both able and willing? Then where does evil come from? Then is he neither able nor willing? Then why do we call him God? Please don't zone out on me. I know it's a lot of philosophical things I've said. Please stay with me. All right. So I remember having a conversation with one small boy that, uh, that became an atheist and we're talking. And the guy was telling me that, well, so he drew out this diagram. He said, is, if, there's, if there's evil and God is good, why is there so much evil? And then they, they draw out this thing. And I'm like, bro, the answer to this thing is very simple. And that's exactly what we want to address. Because the truth of the matter is this. The believer's joy is not in what is around. It's what is within. Joy is a fruit of your regenerated spirit. If your joy is based on what is happening around you, you will never truly be joyful. Because like Jesus told us, sufficient to each day is his own tribulation. Sufficient to each day is his own tribulation. And the reason why I'm even, you know, I feel like this is very important is so that you will know, you know, when you are going through seasons in your life, how to address and approach such things, right? First of all, let's look at this. What did God create? Genesis chapter 1 verse 31. So we're going to answer this question. In fact, how many of you, how many of you have watched Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice? I watched it. You know, Lex Luthor said something. He said, if God is all powerful, he cannot be all good. If he's all good, then he cannot be all powerful. You know, and then we've seen many variants of this kind of conversations. But look at this. What exactly did God create? Genesis chapter 1 verse 31. Then God saw everything that he had made and indeed it was very good. Read this like a mass choir, the A part. One, two, go. When God looked at everything that he had made, he saw that, ah, everything I had made was good. And why I'm using this is because Jesus also used this in making the same argument. Matthew chapter 19, verse 8. Matthew chapter 19, verse 8. You know, they were asking Jesus about divorce, right? Look at what he said. Um, He said, go to verse 7. Let's start from verse 7. Verse 7. Then say unto him, why did Moses then, then say unto him, why did Moses then command to give a, writ, a writing of divorcement and to put her away? Uh-huh. Verse 8. He's, and he said unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, suffered you to put away your wife. But from the beginning, 
it was not so. When Jesus was making this argument, Jesus was basically saying that Moses allowed divorce because of the hardness of your heart, right? But from the beginning, meaning in God's plan, divorce was not there. Do you understand what I'm saying? In God's original intent, divorce was not there. When we meet Matthew 19.8 with Genesis 1.31, when he said, and he saw all that he made, and it was what? Good. What that means uh, is that when we look at what was not, when we look at all that, uh, that was in the beginning, that is God's definition of what? Good. So sickness was not in the beginning. So sickness is not what? Um, death was not in the beginning. So death is not what? Do you get what I'm saying, please? So when people now make this thing, they now begin to say, um, so many, many atheists basically make this argument or many people ask this question and they forget to revert back to what exactly did God make? So when they were asking Jesus about divorce, Jesus went back to the original blueprint in the beginning. Right? He went back to the original blueprint in the beginning. So also, when it comes to the um, God's plan for man, the Bible says everything that he made, God saw everything and he saw that it was good. We don't see in any of the things that God created that God made sickness, death, war, natural disasters. Please, are you with me? So, in the question now is where did all these things come from? Please, are you following me? Where did all these things come from? Or, before we even get to where all these things come from, we we started by saying, what did God create? Everything that God created was good. It means that everything that is not good is not in God's original plan of creation. Do we get this? Anything that is not good is not in God's original plan for what? Creation. And again, another thing we also see is when Jesus became a man, when God became a man, John chapter 5 verse 19. Let me show you something here. John chapter 5 verse 19. We look at what Jesus did and we see what God's mindset would have been on a matter. John 5 19. Jesus said, then Jesus answered and said unto them, most assuredly, prepare um, Colossians 2 9 and Hebrews 1 3. Most assuredly, I say to you, the son... Um, Hebrews 1, 1 to 3. Most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do. For whatever he does, the son also does in what? Like manner. KJV will say, whatever he sees the father do is what he what? Does. So, anything Jesus did in a situation is what God did in that situation. So, we never see, we never see Jesus Please pay attention to this. We never see Jesus meet anybody that was sick and say it is good. We never see Jesus look at people that were hungry and say it was good. Rather, what did he do? He fed them. Please, are you there? He fed them. Um, Colossians 2.19. And why is this important? The Bible says, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead what? Nine. I said, did I say 19? Nine. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. It means that everywhere Jesus was walking and everything Jesus did was what God was doing. Hebrews 1. Hebrews 1. Please follow these thoughts. 
And that's exactly why I started by saying we must think biblically and have a biblical worldview. He said, God, who at various times and in various manners, KJV says sundry times and diverse manners, polymerous and polytropous, spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets. Uh Hath in this last day spoken unto us how? Guys, are you here? Has in this last day spoken unto us how? He said, whom he had appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world. Verse 3. He said, who being the, verse 3, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the will of his power. So, Jesus is the brightness of his glory. Jesus is the express of God's person. If you want to see what God will do in a situation, check what did Jesus do. Do we get this? What did Jesus do in that situation? So what exactly do we see Jesus do? Acts chapter 10. He said how God anointed Jesus Christ with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good, healing all that were what? Oppressed of the devil. For what? God was with him. What exactly does that mean for us? It means that if Jesus was healing the sick, Casting out devils, breaking the oppressions of the devil. It means that oppressions of the devil, sickness, and the affliction of the enemy is not God's plan. I.e., those afflictions are not what God calls good. Do we get this, please? Uh-huh. Those afflictions are not what God calls good. So, thank you, Jesus. So then, because it's a philosophical class, I'm going to say a lot of things. So the question is, what is evil? That's now the definition. First of all, simply put, beyond many things, evil, and when a lot of people present this argument, they basically make it look like evil is a created being, or evil is a force, or things like that. But the truth of the matter is, evil is simply the absence of good. We only know evil because we know what good is not. Please, are you with me? We only know evil because, Acts 10, 38, thank you. We only know evil because we know what good is what? Not. How, what I just quoted, you know, um, in Acts 10, 38, how do we know it's important? People basically begin to say things like, oh, if God is good, why is there evil? We see God, why is there sickness and many of these things? We see God on two feet healing the sick. What that tells us is sickness cannot have been his plan. Say amen. Uh-huh. Evil is the access, is the absence of good. Evil is not created, however, it is allowed. And there is a reason. There's a reason. Evil isn't what God set in motion from the beginning because we see that all He made was what? Good. But evil, um, at the very best, has to be a deviation from God's original intent, God's original plan, and God's original cause. And then let me even throw this in. When an atheist comes and says, if God is good, why does he allow so much evil? We throw the question back. By what standard, by what, please pay attention, by what standard do you know what good is? Because this is the truth, right? Um, I think it's Dr. Frank Turek. He wrote a book um, called, I Don't Have Enough Faith 
to be an atheist. And he wrote another one that said, how atheists borrow from God to make their point. The thing is, if there is no objective standard of good that exists above all of us, good and evil is a matter of opinion. Do you get this? If there is no objective standard of good that exists above all of us, good and evil is a matter of what? Opinion. So, if you say Hitler was wrong, how do you know? How do you know? Um, what's this woman again? This woman that was a nun. Mother Teresa, if you say she was very good, how do you know? Can you prove it? So, they have... To have, there has to be a standard that is above all of us for you to look at something objectively and to call it good. But that's the thing. The atheist will deny the existence of God. And in doing so, right, unconsciously you are denying an absolute standard of morality. So every other thing is, it has to be left to an opinion. So when you say, why does God allow evil? How do you know what evil is? By what standard or by what habitat do you call evil? In fact, many of the laws and the rules that we have from the, from the Declaration of Human Rights, in fact, I was teaching my ADC class and I was explaining something. Um, when a lot of people say things like, um, the fathers of America, when they were talking about you know, the Declaration of the Human Rights, they said, we see these rights to be ill and inalienable, to have been given to all men by their creator. We see that man, we see that there are certain things that attribute to man because man has value. Let me explain. You know, when the Bible says that man was created in the image of God, that, that's what the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 9, verse 6, that that's why you can't kill another man. Because man was created in the image of God, that's why man has more value than a dog. That's why man has more value than a dog. So, if I put a man, I heard the story of um, a doctor, you know, he's, um, he's, uh, what do they call those, those guys? Docs, help me. Those people, student doctors that are around, when they are doing the housemanship, that's what, that, that's what happens. Tofumi, help me. Where's Tofumi? And when you are doing housemanship now, they do, right? So, when there's a doctor who knows the thing and then there are students around him to learn as they are seeing what he's doing. Huh? Is there a, is there a consultant? Sha, there was a, there was a doctor who was well experienced in his field and then there were other student doctors around him seeing him do his doings. And they said, we need to save this woman. She has value. And then he asked the question, how do you know? And they thought he was joking. Ah, she has value now. How do you know she has? By what standard do we know she has value? If man came out of the mud and became product of, you know, many years of evolution, came out of the mud, not created in the image of God, man just came out of the mud, just like what separates man from the cow that you slaughter to eat? Do you guys get what I'm saying? But anyways... That's, that's many conversations. Anyways, we look at what God created. And what God created was good. We looked at Genesis 131, Matthew 19.8. We look at what exactly Jesus did. And in seeing the things that Jesus did, we can tell what is the heart of God towards evil. 
or the things that we see as evil, the things that did not exist, the things that at the beginning were not so. Then the question is, why is there evil on the earth? Where did evil come from? Where did evil come from? You know, when, when we do Selah, maybe sometime in December, one long Saturday, I'm going to do a teaching called Investigating the Goodness of God. So we're going to look at things like Noah's flood, um, the killing of the Amalekites, the Canaanites, all those things, all those seemingly harsh commands God gave. How can God have given those commands and we still say that God is good? So we're going to look at those later. But why is there evil of, on the world? If everything God made was good, and at the beginning, these things were not so. Now, look at what Jesus said. When Jesus said in Matthew 19, that at the beginning it was not so, it means that something happened and then made it so. Do we get this? Something happened and then made it so. But look at this. Why is there evil on the earth? Through scriptures, we can find three reasons why there's evil on the earth. Number one, we live in a fallen world. Romans chapter 8 verse 22. We live in a fallen world. Romans 8.22. Look at this. Go to verse 17. Go to verse 17. Let's start from verse 17. Go to 18. Okay. Okay. Look at this. He said, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Uh Aha, 19. He said, for the earnest expectation of the creature waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. Verse 20. He said, for the creature was made subject to what? Vanity. When you look at the word vanity, the Greek word there paints a picture of something that was bent out of scope. Something that was not in its original design. Are you here? Something that was not in its original design. So it was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who had subjected the same in hope. So, no, 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 go back. For by reason of God, even the earth itself will be changed because the earth has been subject to vanity in man's, in Adam's fall as well. This was not the original state. This is not the good that God saw and spake after creation. Do you understand what I'm saying? How exactly does that play out? Very simple. First thing, you know, the theological answer to this, when people say, how do natural, how did natural disasters come about? Or when people say that natural disasters are acts of God, theologically, when we read this, we can know that they are not. Because why do we have natural disasters? Are natural disasters good? Answer me. Are natural disasters good? It means that at the beginning it was not so, right? So if at the beginning it was not so, and natural disasters are not good, natural disasters are a product of a fallen world. For the, the flood, earthquakes, all those things, right? Is a product. Now, when I mention the flood, someone cannot think, okay, what of Noah's flood? Noah's flood was God ridding the earth of evil. In fact, many theologians believe, I'm going to teach on this explicitly when we have um, investigating the goodness of God. Noah's flood was, the Bible says, man had become exceedingly wicked upon the face of the earth. He said, therefore, I'm going to purge the earth, right? I'm going to purge the earth. Now, 
Many theologians agree that in God judging the earth by the flood, he was not killing off mankind. He was preserving mankind. Because as mankind was evil, if God had left mankind to continue in his evil, at the end of the day, mankind would have exterminated himself. Because man would have killed each other. You need to understand that visitors came to visit Noah, which were angels. And then um, they wanted to sleep with the men. And he said, let's give you our daughters. They said, no, bring the two men. They served a God called Molech where they put a baby on the, the God's hands were outstretched like this. They put a baby on the God's hand and put fire under. And then they would beat loud drums to drown the tears of the child or to drown the wailings of that child. That's evil, right? So, In God releasing judgment, a lot of people now think of, okay, that judgment, um, God released the flood, however, but it will not, the only way that can make sense is if you think judgment is evil. Judgment is not evil. Or better still, just judgment is not evil. Do you agree? When someone who, Ideally, all men should have the the right to freedom. They should be able to go wherever they want to go. But when you know someone is a child molester, and then you put restrictions on that person, is that evil? So in Noah's flood, that was the case. So when people now ask things of natural disasters, as a matter of fact, in Jesus' ministry, or sicknesses, that's even what I want to point out. In Jesus' ministry, there were times when Jesus casted out devils of infirmity. And there were times when Jesus just plainly healed sicknesses. Do you agree? For example, Peter's mother-in-law. The Bible says that or if you, the woman with um, the bent over back, he said, ought not this daughter of Abraham, having been bound these years, should have been free? And then he cast out the devil of infirmity and the woman was free. But then Peter's mother-in-law had a fever. He held her hand and raised her up. The Bible didn't record any casting out of devils. He just said he held her hand, raised her up, and she was healed. It means that there are sicknesses that definitely are caused by a devil, but there are also sicknesses that exist because we live in a fallen world. Do you understand what I'm saying? There are sicknesses that also exist because we live in a what? In a fallen world. Remember, creation was made subject to vanity. Creation was bent out of scope. Even creation is traveling. So there were many things that were put into motion because of man's fall. Natural disasters, you know, um, many issues. The Bible tells us of the story of a blind man. Let me, let me show you this. Mm, I don't even know how. John chapter 9. Let's start from verse 1. John chapter 9. We're still on the point of why is there or how did evil come to be on the earth, right? John chapter 1. He said, and as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from his birth. Next verse. And his disciples asked him saying, Master, who did sin that this man or his parents, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was what? Born blind. Verse 3. Jesus answered, neither had this man sinned nor his parents. 
but that the works of God may should be made manifest. Now, I'm going to explain these works of God may be made manifest. But, go back to verse 2. They said, who did sin that this man or his parents, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, these guys were Jews. They were used to um, Deuteronomy 28, 15 to 68. What is in Deuteronomy 28, 15 to 68 is, if you sin, if you break the law, this is what will come upon you. Judgments for breaking the law. The verses before are blessings for breaking the law. And we don't live under that dispensation. Why was there the law? The law exists because if you break the law, there was just recompense for breaking the law. Do you get that? If you break the law, there was just... So they existed under that dispensation. The Bible says in Exodus 15, 26, he said, if you obey my commandment, Exodus 15, 26, let's read this. I don't want to quote it. I want us to read it together. Exodus 15, 26. Look at this. He said, and said, if thou will willingly hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is what? Right in his sight, and will give ear, uh, confused me, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of what? These diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the what? Egyptians, for I am the Lord that what? He left thee. Now, these guys were Jews. They were used to, if you break the law, you were sick. They were used to Exodus um, 15, 26, which was, if you obey the Lord, then he will not bring these sicknesses upon you. So when they see somebody that is sick, their natural inclination is, this person must have done something wrong. Do you understand what I'm saying? This person must have opened the door for the devil to touch them. And there are many people today that still think like that. But it's wrong. It's wrong. The Bible tells us, Luke chapter 1. Let me, let me show you why it's wrong. Luke chapter 1 from verse 6 to 7. Luke chapter 1 from verse 6 to 7. Every time I come across this verse, I laugh. It says, go, go back to verse 5. Go back to verse 5. It said, there was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abia. <laughs> and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron. And her name was Elizabeth. Next verse. And they were both what? Come on, talk to me. They were both what? Walking in the commandments and ordinances of the Lord. Blameless. Next verse. And they had no child. And Elizabeth was barren and they were both, and they both were now well stricken in, in years. So someone can now quickly look. This verse strictly contradicts the idea or the notion that if somebody has done something or something is not working for somebody, it's because there's the devil in or because you have sinned. Therefore, something is wrong. Do, do you get this? The Bible says they were both blameless. They walked in accordance with the ordinances of the Lord. Yet, they had no child. So, and you see, many of us, let me even pause here and touch on this. Many of us need to reorder our mind. Because when something is quickly not working, you say, what sin did I commit? Calm down. When something is not working, what what have I done wrong? This did not work again. (laughs) You see, knowing this, the fact that we live in a world where you can do all your feasibility studies and things not work. Do you know that's possible? Answer me now. Is that possible or not? 
If you've done a business before, you will know that you got all things right, but it did not just work. <laughs> now, I, I, I said this story to give context to John chapter 9. So let's go back to John chapter 9. Please, are you learning anything? John chapter 9. So let's read this again. And Jesus passed by. He saw a man which was blind from his birth. Uh-huh. And his disciples asked him, say, Master, who did sin? This man or his parents that he was born blind? First of all, go back. These disciples, they need to relax because when you read Ezekiel, he said, let this proverb not be used again in Israel. That the children have eaten, the parents ate sour grape and the children's teeth are on edge. He said, the soul of the father is mine. The soul of the son is mine. And the soul that sins, it shall die. So everyone will pay for his own sin. But the disciples were asking, who sins? Is it this man or his parents? Because they were used to a system of the law where if you, for something evil to have happened to you, there must have been recompense. But Jesus was changing their perspective. And that's why Jesus said, go, go to verse 3. Jesus basically said this. He said, neither. Ah, say neither. Come on, say it out loud. Say neither. neither. It means that some things can go wrong and it's not because of sin. And Jesus didn't even mention the devil here. It means it, could not be, it is not sin and it's also not the devil. It's just the world we live in. He said, neither. Neither has this man seen nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest. Now, when people read that last line and say that the works of God may be made manifest, they are quick to think that, oh, God made the man be born blind so that his glory will be revealed. First of all, whether God heals or not, he's glorious. Whether God provides or not, he's providential. So, the question is this, what exactly revealed the glory of God here. Or what, um, but that the works of God may be made manifest. Give me verse 4. Let me check something. Okay, I must work the works of him that was there. Da, 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 da. Now, what exactly, go back, go back to 3. What exactly revealed the glory of God here? What exactly was the work of God here that was made manifest? The man being born blind or the man seen? Talk to me. The man being born blind or the man seen? So it was the man seen that did give glory to God. It was the man seen that made manifest the work. Okay. I'm going to come back to that. So this verse is very crucial in the fact that Jesus, if we look at this verse, Jesus is saying, neither has this man seen nor his parents. It means sin was not why the man was born blind. He didn't mention the devil. The devil was not why the man was born blind. But that the works of God may be made manifest. And what revealed the works of God? The healing. So what else? What else is left? The fact that we live in a fallen world. Creation is made subject to what? Vanity. Say amen. amen. These, these things I'm teaching you are theological truths. Theological truths. That we live in a fallen world. Number two. Why is there evil on this earth? We have free will. Or man has free will. Man has free will. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15 to 20. 
Deuteronomy 30. He said, see, I have set before thee this day life and good, death and evil. Next verse. In that day I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God and to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments that thou mayest live and multiply and the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whither thou goest to possess it. But if thy heart turn away, so that thou wilt not hear, thou shalt be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them. I denounce unto you this day that you shall surely perish, and that ye shall not prolong your days upon the land whither thou passest over Jordan to go to possess it. Uh-huh, 19. He said, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before thee life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy what? Seed may live. Let's read this verse 19 like a mass choir. One, two, go. No, 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 no. Let's read it like a mass choir. One, two, go. Uh-huh. 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 He said, I've said before, let me see verse 20. Okay, you can, we can skip this. He said, I've said before you life and death, blessing and cursing, but choose life that you may live. Man has free will. Man has free will. You see, um, Okay, I'm going to come back to that answer. I'll come back to it. Man has free will. It means that man can do what he wants to do. God will allow man do what he wants to do. God will not stop man's free will. Man will still do what he wants to do. But that is why we have the laws of God. You see, I've usually said that, um, I've usually said that if God is good, anything he tells me to do is good for me. Right? If God is good, anything he tells me to do is good for me. You know, I, I did a teaching called Kadash. Maybe I'll do it again in TC. And that teaching is so important because I found out many of the instructions that God gives us for family, for all these things. When you check the statistics, right? The effects of people born without fathers. The effects on people born without fathers. The effect on people born without mothers. The effect, and many of all these arguments that would have been avoided if we just followed God's laws. When you see the statistics that shows the effect on people, we find out that truly obeying God is wisdom. Man has free will, but another truth is man is falling. Have you watched true crime documentaries and all these series, and you see the evil in the heart of a man, you are afraid. There's this um, YouTube channel. <laughs> There's this YouTube channel. They basically talk about... Um... So, let me tell you how bad it is. For the people to come and share their stories, they have to wear masks. And they have to change their voice. Then give a fake name. Right? So if I'm the one that's going to, I'm going to say, hi, my name is Amy. And then, you know, they modulate your voice. And then many of them, you know, one of them I watched recently, she's a, I don't know if she or he now, 
But the person worked or works as a crime scene cleaner. You know the you know the station. The person works as a crime scene cleaner, and the person began to. The person said they cleaned a story of the this thing of someone who is a um, who was a serial killer. And then if you if you've read things about serial killers, you're like, how can somebody be so twisted? For example, there was one, there's this Chinese guy. He killed a, a young girl. He molested her corpse, went to bury her. Dug her up after four days, molested her again. Then cut off the head and kept. I said, God, I beg. <laughs> this one said, I mean, they are very gory things. I'm trying to pick which one to say and not say. <laughs> The lady said after she killed, she cleaned up the crime scene, one of them, she went back home crying one day, thinking about what is in the heart of a man. You know, when the Bible says all have sinned, ah, I'm falling short of the glory of God. When I think of the depravity in the heart of a man, you see, the truth, the truth is, for example, America, every day you are, you are hearing shootings, right? You are hearing shootings. The now, there may be wisdom in reducing who has access to guns. But the truth of the matter still remains. Whether there are guns or not, people will find a way to commit evil. In the UK, there are no guns. They, they stab people every other day. The guns are just an avenue for people to express the fallen nature of man that exists in them. And this is exactly why the gospel is necessary to be taught. Because nothing changes the heart of a man, only the gospel. Say amen. So I was watching that and I was like, man, man has free will, but man is fallen. And that's what makes it scary. That man is fallen. That's number two cause of evil. Number three is there's an, there is a devil. You know, I have theological brothers called reformed folk. The devil is not properly accounted in their theology, but there is a devil. The Bible talks about Job. It said that Job did not, Job did not sin. Do you get what I'm saying? Job did not sin. In fact, he was a righteous man. Job, um, it was not just the fact that he lived in a fallen world. Do you understand what I'm saying? It was not just the fact that he lived in a fallen world that made evil happen to him. There was a malevolent force called the devil. The Bible says in Job 1, 6, it said when Job, when the sons of God gathered, the devil gathered with them. In fact, in Job 1, 19, it said that the wind blew. Please pay attention to this. The wind blew. Look at this. It said, and behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house and it fell upon the young men and they are dead. I'm the only one alone that escaped to tell you. This is talking about Job's children, Job's servants. One wind came and cleared his household. Because we are reading from, um, if you read comics, there's something called from the fourth dimension, right? Or from the fourth wall. Does anybody read comics? I'm very disappointed. You are, you are stepping back 
And then you are reading it. We know that it was not just a... And that's exactly what I was teaching in Flaming Sundays. You need to know when the devil is playing games and when to take authority over the works of the devil. Because if it is the devil, the Bible says here, it says a great wind came. It looked like a wind just came and happened. But when we look back to Job 1.6, we know it was the devil. Are you here? Uh-huh. So, there is, an, there is a devil out there. The Bible consistently tells us to be vigilant, to be watchful. Why is there evil? It's not just that there's a fallen world. It's not just that man has free will. Even man's free will sometimes is acted upon by the devil. How? Temptations. Do you get what I'm saying? Temptations. The existence of a devil. Three reasons why there's evil on earth. Number one, Number two, and number three, there's a devil. Existence of a devil. But in these three things, hmm, before I even go to this one, why will God allow evil? Why? People, people, people that say that God is passive about evil, and this is in the Epicurean trilemma, this is the second one, right? Um, let me read it again. If is God willing to prevent evil but not able, he is not omnipotent. Is he able but not willing, then he is malevolent or evil. Is he both able and willing, then from where does evil come? Is he neither able nor willing, then why do we call him God? So the question is this, before I answer this one. When people now say if God is passive about evil, why does he why does he not do something about evil? There are two things to consider when you hear this. Number one, if God judges evil as vehemently as you think he should, nobody will stand, including the person asking that question. Are you here? Many times we overestimate how good we are. If you and many people don't know that the God before whom we are standing is the thrice holy God. He's the one whose holiness is blazing. So, if you are the one that is going to have many questions, why doesn't God do something about evil? There's evil in your heart. <laughs> so, if God extinguishes evil, you will not ask this question. You will not be alive to ask this question. Please, are you with me? The Bible talks about the long suffering of God. Are you here? Many times we are very vehement about something until it catches up with us. And that's why the Bible will say in Galatians is you who are strong. Eh? Cause the person that is weak, help them to stand. Right? And you that you are going to help the person, be careful so that you don't sin after their similitude. When I see a brother and a believer in sin, and I'm going to say this to when I see a brother and a, a brother in, in a kind of sin, I help the brother, I rebuke when I should, but I help the brother, but not with a superiority mindset. Do you know why? There's no temptation that has come your way, but that which is common to man. If one man can fall to something, any man can fall to that thing. Please, are you with me? Especially in our world where we live in, now who then catch be thief now? God, there's something called the long-suffering of God. So, why will God allow men, you know, continue in evil and not do anything? Because God wants all men to repent. 
It is from God we learn that love is not weakness. Love is strength. Let me paint a picture. Imagine somebody like Apostle Paul. Someone who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament books. Imagine if while Paul was killing believers, God said, I've had enough. He, does, he pulls up a Thanos on Paul. And Paul turns to dust. Those books may have been written by someone else, but maybe much later. Do, do you get what I'm saying? Thing to consider when people say, why, will God, why is God passive about evil? Another thing to consider is this. When God judges evil, why then do people now say God is being evil? Let me explain. You know, like I was talking about atheists and many people who have issues with that. They say, God, if God is good, why doesn't he do something about evil? Then, when God does something about evil in the flood, in the slaying of the Amalekites, when God does something about evil in um, judging the nations, right? The nations that were against Israel and the nations that worshipped idols, they'll say, if God is so good, why did he do those things? Do you want him to do something about evil or not? Do you get what I'm saying? Do you want him to do something about evil or not? We don't get to pick and choose. Please, do we get this? We don't get to pick and choose. We don't get to pick and choose. (laughs) All right. I think I'll save this one for the last. So, what is the believer's answer to the Epicurean trilemma? So when they ask the question, is God willing to prevent evil but unable to? Then he is not omnipotent. The answer to that is this. God is willing to limit evil and has acted to do just that. So he is still omnipotent. And I'm going to explain that. Let me go on. Is he able but not willing? Then he is malevolent. God is able but not willing to abolish our free will. So he's still omnibenevolent. When people say things like, oh, um, man, if God is good and then he can't do something about evil, then God is evil. First of all, man has free will. God wants man to love him. If God interjects, gate crashes into man's free will, right? And that man, let me explain this. Does your phone love you? Talk to me. Does your phone love you? Is your phone obedient? Is your phone obedient? No. Can I tell you why? Obedience is only true when there is an option for disobedience. A deeper view. Obedience is only true when there is an option for... So your phone is programmed to respond how it does. It's not obedient. Because God wants love... And God is not willing to, God wants man's response to to him to be in love. And God is not willing to withdraw man's free will. Hence, because if God withdraws man's free will, then we we can't say that, why is there so much evil in the world? Because you won't even be able to ask that question. Do you get what I'm saying? You won't be able to ask that. The fact that God has given man free will reveals the omnibenevolence of God. That God is good. Remember, evil is the deviation 
from good. Evil is a deviation from good. So, for man to be called, or for a man to choose good, he has to have the option to choose evil. So, when people now say, why does God do this? It's because God has given man free will. Except you want a world where God withdraws man's free will. And that God cannot exactly be said to be loving. Or sovereign. Because a sovereign God can only be so sovereign that he gives man free will. Amen. Is he both able and willing? Then from where comes evil? God has acted to do evil. If God has acted to defeat evil, evil was not in the original of what God made. Evil is actually simply put a deviation of what he has created. Is he able and willing then from where comes evil? Evil comes from the deviation of God's plan. The falling earth came from when the first man fell. And people now say things like, why exactly will God put in the garden the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Because man must choose God. Man must choose God. Man has to be free to not choose God. You love God because you have a choice to not love him. If there is no choice to not love, you can't say it is love. Do you get what I'm saying? Is he neither able nor willing? Then why do we call him God? The answer is simple. God is not willing to prevent our free will. God is not willing to prevent our free will. And that disapproval does not make him any less God. Or Lex Luthor's answer is this. If if God is all powerful, he cannot be all good. If he's all good, then he cannot be all powerful. I wrote this here. I got this from... um, um, God questions. He said, God can be all powerful and choose not to act according to our preferences. When you say all good, what people really mean is doing things our way. That's why when God judges evil, then I say, how can a good God do this? When God is keeping long suffering so that people might repent, they say, how can a just God not judge this? So when people now say um, all good, what they mean is doing things my way at my time. When people say all-powerful, what they really mean is, is God um, capable of making us simultaneously free and robotic? And that's gibberish. That's philosophical nonsense. An all-powerful God, an all-powerful, all-good God can allow evil. Why? Because he has given man free will. And in giving man free will, the earth had fallen out of scope. There is a devil. The devil does exist, you know. Um, there is a devil. So God has given man free will because he wants man to choose him. And because he wants man to choose him, then God can, God will. That It is on that premise that God can judge and be called the just judge. Please, do we get this? It's on that premise that God can judge and he can be called the what? The just judge. So, What is the believer's convictions? Even as revealed in scripture, even when things 
you know, we live in this fallen world that is susceptible to evil, to sickness, to many of these things. Because hmm, we know that all this evil that we might see in this world is not God's plan. It's not God's will. It's not what God had in mind when he created. Because when God created everything, it was what? Good. And when Jesus said that the beginning, it was not so. It means that anything that didn't exist at the beginning was not in God's original design. Every other thing that exists as evil is allowed just for the period of time because a time will come when he will judge all evil. So, when people say things about sickness, for example, and I'll teach more on this next week. For example, sickness, which is an evil. Sickness is not God's, or healing is not God's final answer to sickness. God's final answer to sickness is a body that will never be sick in the first place. What the Bible speaks about in 1 Corinthians, because I assure you, people that are healed, or anybody that is raised from the dead will still die again. Do we, do we understand this? If you are raised from the dead, you will still die again. God's, ans- God's final answer to death and sickness is a body that will never die or be sick again. When corruption or the corruptible has been swallowed up by the incorruptible and the earthly by the heavenly. So now, I want to touch on this. What is the believer's conviction even when things are not working well? In terms of what is the believer's conviction when we stand, you know, we exist in a fallen world. When man's free will exists. You know, a lot of people ask questions like this. Um, my, my, God forbid, maybe, you know, someone's parents died in an accident. And then as they died in an accident, um, because a drunk driver came and cleared the person and the person died. And they say, oh, um, why? Why did this happen? Because the drunk driver had a free will. That if the drunk driver had existed, had obeyed the laws of God to not get drunk, that would not have happened in the first place. If we didn't live in a fallen world, that if Adam hadn't seen, death would not have been an, a possibility in the first place. But in all of this, what exactly is the believer's posture? Please take this down. Number one. Number one. God is good. Say amen. God is good. And I think this is a very, you see, we say it's God is good. And all the time, if we know the implications of that statement, we will let it sink. God is good is not not call and response. God is good is fact. The Bible says in Deuteronomy, it says the Lord is good and all his ways are just. Goodness is not what God is trying to do. Goodness is who he is. And let me tell you, there's a reason why that is very important. When we know who God is, it will help us in our relationship with God. When we say things like, even when I don't see it, I know you are walking, it's because God is good. I may not have all the answers, but God is good. I may not understand how to address this now, but God is good. I may not know how to go about this, but God is good. You see, when you are relating with a friend of yours, a friend of yours might make a statement that you will not take from somebody else. But because you know your friend, you will give them benefit of the doubt for them to explain. Yes or yes? 
And why? Because you know who this friend is. Do you get what I'm saying? So, when I'm going through things, because I'm a child of God, I may not understand it, but God is good. Let me tell you something. We will not have all the answers on this side of eternity. Are you with me? We will not have all the answers on this side of eternity. And knowing this gives me peace. Why? Because there are many things I may not understand, but when I look into the face of Jesus, all things will become clear. So, it is a theological truth. I I said convictions that the believers must hold. The first thing is God. You must trust in the nature of God. It is true that the one I've come to believe is good. God is good, always good, and doesn't have mood swings. Are you here? If his mood is swinging, he's swinging from good to good to good to good. James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Give me, let's start from verse 14. Go back to 13. Okay, 13, 13. Let's start from 13. He said, let no man say when he is tempted, I'm tempted of God. For evil, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempted he any man. Next verse. He said, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Next verse. He said, then when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. Next verse. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Uh-huh. Every, uh, read this like a mass choir, loud and clear. Read it with conviction. One, two, go. And let's start again. One, two, go. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. No shadow. Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above. If it is good, it's from God. Or let me put it this way. If it is from God, it is good. Let me put it. Saying if it is good, it's from God. It's not the same thing as saying if it is from God, it's good. The same way not every open door is God's door. Do we get this? Because Especially in our generation, this good... In the world where we live in, this carnal world where we live in, people judge good by what feels good. It can feel good but ruin your life. As celebrities who have given into drugs. So for me, you know, right? It, it may have felt good, but it has ruined people. So good is not by how it feels. Good is from who it stems from. Every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the who? Father of lights. You know, this father of light is an allusion to the sun. In him is no variableness. In him, there is no shape shifting. In him, he doesn't change. If, he, if it is from God, it is good for me. Uh. In him is no variableness, no what? Shadow of turning. The word shadow of turning, you know, it can paint an allusion to the sun. All right, to the sun, the father of lights, the greatest of all the lights. If it means that if there is um, a shadow, if there is darkness, the problem is not from the father of lights. The problem is from my lens. Do you understand what I'm saying? If I stand back in the lights now, it will cast a shadow. The problem is not the lights. The problem is where I'm standing. 
So God is good. Always good. And has no mood swings. Always good. The first believer's conviction is what? God is good. And let me say this. It might be hard to believe this. It might be hard to take this. But can I tell you something? Maybe there's somebody here or somebody watching me online. You prayed for someone that was sick and the person did not get healed. God is good. I may not have the answers. Why didn't the person get healed? I may not get it, but God is good. God is good. God is still good. I remember teaching this. I remember when I was in Lagos, I was teaching this back to back, back to back for a few months, two, three months. And then this lady, when we, I was in one of these days, I was just teaching about money. And then she, she just cried from the back. I thought maybe it was the power of God. But someone now signaled me and said, and I realized her dad just passed. Like she just got the message that her dad passed. Her dad had been struggling with cancer for months. Her dad just passed. And I was like, oh my God. So, I finished teaching. I had a concert to go to. So, um, um, don't worry, it's a Christian concert. Don't be worried. I had a concert to go to. So, I went to, somebody's thinking, is it burner? No, I only burn for the Lord. Amen. Thank you. I went, so I went home. I told them, you know, the, the, they drove me home. I went, I picked my things. We now went to um, this thing. I saw her dad laying. So she was, she was crying. She was like, oh my God, oh my God. Then after a while, she stopped crying. And she said, no more tears. No more pain. Heaven rejoice. I said, what kind of faith is this? It's me that was teaching it. Boy, I was impressed. <laughs> I said, what kind of faith is this? And I've said this many times. Faith is not just sin. In what you get by it. Faith is seen in what you lose for it. Also, because the Bible says they put aliens. They turn the aliens to flight. They receive their dead back to life. But the Bible says by faith, some did not receive deliverance. Tizi, are you here? The Bible says by faith, some did not what? Receive deliverance. They were what? Son asunder. Because of this faith, people died horrible deaths. So by faith, they... They, they suffered, they got wondrous things, but some also suffered dangerous things. Not because they lacked faith, but because they were in faith. So what does that tell us? Faith is the consistency of your conviction and your confession irrespective of the season. Can I say that again? Faith is the consistency of your conviction and confession irrespective of the season. She said, heaven rejoice. No more. Let me paint it to you this way. Many of us think, ah, why, why God is good? Why didn't God heal her? Why didn't God do this? Why did, what if her father didn't, in quotes, he had been tired. He had been sick with this cancer for like two years. What if he didn't have faith to be healed? And what if God was tired of him being in pain? Just what if God called him home? Do you know what I'm saying? Rather than him staying, suffering in that pain, what if God said, it's okay, come. Just what if? Remember, the God we serve is very multifaceted. It means that there are many things that when it's only from the lens of eternity, it will make sense. But I may not know the nitty gritty of it, but I know the one who is involved. I may not know the nitty gritty of it all. What does that mean? It may not feel good right now, but I know there is a God who is in control. Please, are you here? 
I may not know it, but I know that there is a God who is in control. So when I don't trust the way the situation is turning out, I trust the one who is in control. He's still good. Say God is good. That statement is not something we only say to take testimonies. It's something we say even when all things don't look good. Hey, Another conviction to believe. In fact, let me, give me Genesis chapter 50 verse 20. Genesis chapter 50 verse 20. I want us to read this like a mass choir. Genesis 50 20. Let's read this like a mass choir. Ye thoughts. Let's start from ye thoughts. Please read this out loud. I want you to shout. Read this out loud. One, two, go. This is Joseph's brothers. Joseph said, You thought it for evil, but God meant it for good. God meant it for good. God meant it for good. So, even when things may not be looking so well, this God, he has a way of turning it for good. You see, the Christian's perspective is, I know God. I say, I know God. He may not look good, but he can turn it for my good. Because this God is not stranded. I know God, he can turn it for my good. Another conviction to hold, I may not see it, but God is working. I may not see it, but God is working. You know, this week, I had, I had spent time in Bible study, so I was studying about the story of Joseph. The Bible speaks about Joseph. It says, uh, the Bible says, Joseph was in Potiphar's house. And they had, the brother sold him into slavery. He was in Potiphar's Reuben came. And said, don't kill him. Let's sell him and make money. And then he was in Potiphar's house. And Potiphar liked him, loved him, gave him favor. And then put him, you know what, let, let's read this. Turn your Bible to Genesis. Please, are you learning anything? I will sing of the goodness of God. I will sing of the goodness of God All my life you have been faithful All my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness of God I will sing of the goodness of God Genesis 39 from verse 5 Genesis 39 5 can't go through it all. But look at this. The Bible says, Jacob, I mean, Joseph, in Potiphar's house, he found favor. They took Joseph, threw him in the prison. In the prison, he found favor. Joseph 
went to um he, he gave he interpreted the dream of the baker and the cup bearer the baker the baker was hanged i believe the baker was beheaded and then the cup bearer was restored back to office and the the cup bearer he told the cup bearer don't forget me when you go out if the cup bearer as soon as he came out remembered joseph it is very possible joseph may not have been prime minister as soon as Joseph came out, the next thing that Joseph would have probably been is rewarded. Or he would have gotten freedom and gone back to his father's house. So Joseph from Pete to Potiphar's house to prison is all peace. To pri- the four peace of Joseph to prime minister. In all of those phases, the hand of God was involved. The hand of God, everything might not have looked sweet, but the hand of, many of you might need to look back at your life and say, you see, when you are going through many phases in your life, and you are, don't frustrate God by complaining through all the phases in your life. You may not see it, but he's working. Are you here? Please, are you here? You may not see it, but he's working. I remember, you know, looking at, let me use Doc's testimony. You know, there are times Doc and I will talk, we'll talk about what God will do. I'll tell Doc, Doc, this is what the Lord says. And Doc will say, I did this interview, he did not click. <laughs> and then we prayed. We prayed, prayed, prayed. We prayed, we said, this is what the Lord, I remember when the Lord gave that word, when it comes, we will know why many other things did not work. Thank God, the, in the first interview he did, he did not get it, Doc, Abby. Uh huh. Thank God. The same interview, a different outcome. It means that we would have probably have celebrated earlier and said, "Ah, finally it had come," but we would have been settling for something that was two grades lower. Many people will be in Joseph's suit, complain, complain in Pete, complain in Potiphar's house, complain in prison, complain, complain complain and then you forget that I may not see it but God is working I may not see it but God is working I may not see it but God is working it may not look good now I I may not understand what is around me but I understand and trust the character of the one who runs my life I understand the character and trust the one who runs my life please am I talking to you here I understand and trust the one who runs my life number one God is good number two I may not see it but God is working even when I don't see it you're working even when I don't see it you're working you never stop you never stop working You never stop, you never stop working. You may not know where you are in the phases of your life right now, but God is working. You know, I read one verse of scripture. The Bible says, Zachariah was, um, he went into the temple to, what's the word? He went into the temple to offer incense like he would every other day. But that day was the day the angel of the Lord appeared to him. Imagine, and they casted lots like dice. Maybe they threw dice and it fell on him that day. Imagine he was so frustrated and said, this God of Israel, you have not given me children. Today, I'm not going into the temple. Just what if he didn't go that day? 
Just what if Saul was frustrated that I've been looking for donkeys since I'm not doing anymore. That's how oil would have missed his head. Do you understand what I'm saying? Everybody in the Bible that waited for children gave birth to serious children. Everybody. So I may not see it now, but God is working. It may not look like it now, but God is working. And number three, under, you know, the believer's conviction, God is able to turn everything around for my good. God is able. Genesis 50, 20. God, you might have meant it for evil. You might have meant it for wrong, but God, say God is able. I want you to say this meditatively. Put your hand on your chest and say, God is able to turn evil for my good. God is able. God is able. So God is good. I may not see it yet. Yet he's working. But God is able to turn evil for my good. It might not look good now. It might not feel good now. But God is able. God is able. God is able. God is able. There is no, and I'm going to wrap up with this. There is no amount of teaching on theodicy that is enough for a heart that lacks fellowship with God. No matter, no matter how much we say that, you know, there is evil in the world, but God exists and everything. God is able to turn it for your good. God has comfort and all this. No matter how much we teach that, a heart that does not fellowship with the God of all comforts, it doesn't matter what we say on that matter, you will lack comfort. Please, are you with me? It will never be enough. There is one called the God of all comfort. And that's why you will find people who don't know this, the ODC, they don't know, but they will go through hard times and they are still fine. Go through tough times and still, because there is a bounce on my feet. There is a joy in my life. There is a light in my heart. That light is not on the basis of what is happening around me or what is not. What is good or what is not. What is working or what is not. What the joy in my life, the spring in my steps is because I know one who is good. I know one who can turn things around for my good. I know one who is walking, who is walking, who is walking, who is walking. The one who exists in a class all by himself. I know that God. Final thing, when we look at the evil that exists in the world, when we look at the fact that there is a fallen world, when we look at the fact that there, there, um, there is a, a devil, and when we look at the fact that there is man's free will, through scriptures, we have seen God's power interject in all of this. In a fallen world, we see natural disasters. Jesus stood up and said, peace, be still. It means that God's mind towards natural disasters is that there is none. Remember I said Jesus is the express image of the Father. It is in him we see what the Father has done. We see Jesus cast out devils, heal the sick. Sickness is not God's plan. If not, there would have been sickness in heaven. And there would have been sickness at the beginning. We look at man's free will. It pleased Herod that he should kill, that he should kill um, Peter, even as he killed James, because he pleased the Jews. He wanted to try it, but the church began to pray, and God delivered Peter. And the final cause of evil, we see a devil, Jesus casted out devil, but not just that, he gave us authority. 
He said, I give you power over all the workings of the devil. You shall trample upon what? Serpents and scorpions and nothing shall by what? Any means hurt you. What does this mean? Any source of evil in the world, none of them is beyond the power of God. Uh, none of them is beyond the power of God. Whether it is a fallen world, whether it is the devil, whether it is the free will of a man that is engineering and engaging evil, none of them is beyond the finger of God. Remember I said, the only things that we don't pray about are things that are either above the power of God or beyond the wisdom of God. So I may not see it, but God is working. I may not understand, but God is good. And sometimes when we go to pray, prayer is not always about turning situations around. The Bible says Jesus went to prayer and he came out with, and angels appeared and what? Strengthened him sometimes. Remember I said he's doing flaming Sundays. The Lord told me this and he changed my life. Sometimes the only way out is through. You will pass through it, but you will be fine. You will be fine. I will teach more on this next week. You will pass through it, but you will be fine. Because the believer is strong. The believer has a very large elasticity. Large. You will pass through it, but you will be fine. You will be fine. I'm tempted to enter some of the things for next week's teaching. But there is no cause of evil that exists on the earth that is beyond the power of God. God is alive on my matter. God is, God, so when we pray sometimes, it is strength. We are building strength to go through that hard time and come out on the other side. And we will not complain through it. Because in all of it, I remember I was praying one time and the Lord showed me a vision. I saw, you know all this artwork that they need, right? You look at the front, it looks very beautiful. And then you look at the back, it looks very weird, right? It looks nothing like the picture that has been painted. And the Lord basically told me, like, you may, people may look on the outside and see all things great, but it's the back end. That's where the work is. I'm not going to complain all through all the things that God is doing in my life. I'm not going to complain all through and say, God, where are you? God, where are you? No, I will not complain. I will stay in the back and I may cry, feel my feelings, but I know God is working something out. God is working and I will not complain and frustrate the hand of God. I will not go there and say, ah, God, I repent for all the complaining I did. I will get there and say, Father, truly I trusted your hand and your hand has done it. Rise to your feet. I trust you were blessed by the teaching of God's word. Nelson Mihalwa Ministries is a mandate that seeks to see men saved, trained, and sent. For more ministry content, visit us at t.me forward slash Nelson Mihalwa. And for contact details, follow on Instagram at Nelson Mihalwa. God bless you.